0: 15, 18 carries down they're the stretch. They're giving him 15, because, 18
1: carries down the stretch because Frank Gore is a dinosaur who almost no, died on the field. Because that's what they want Singletary to do. They want him to
0: run the ball. They don't want him pass catching. They they're going to, that's, that's why they brought They're going to want Moss.
1: Moss to do both. No, dude. they're not.
0: They are 100%. Yes, we're back again. We're
1: back again.
2: We're hey, back. Let's pump up the volume.
1: Right here. Oh.
2: What's up Whisper Nation? It's Wednesday, June 24th, and you're listening to episode 105 of The Fantasy Whispers with your hosts, Johnny Game Time Hicks, Big Travy, and me, Chelsea. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at @tfwhispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com, where we have articles and our latest episodes as well as a bunch of fresh swag. And if you want to support the show, you can sign up as a patron of the fantasy whispers where you'll gain access to a ton of bonus content. So head on over to Patreon.com and search the fantasy whispers today. And speaking of Patreons of the show, we want to give a big shout out, right to John Durst for signing up to support the show in a major, major way. We really appreciate that. So shout out to you, John Durst
1: shout out to john thank, thank you. you so much john thank you everybody who is helping support the show over on patreon thank you to whisper nation who keeps showing up and showing out every week helps us keep chasing this dream uh right guys like hey. what i mean I, johnny like this is what we do it for right here hey, i it, it is i it still is
0: mind-boggling where we are today uh how big our community has grown i mean just yesterday we were, where i gave a shout out 600 subs man already on youtube yes. so yeah uh, we are so huge. we are growing we are so appreciative but hey let's say let's say someone's like i don't know you know patreon might not be for me listen we are we just launched our pre-sale of our draft kit for this year, 2020 draft kit, uh, this thing is awesome. We put a lot of work, a lot of energy in it. Uh, it's it's a work of art. I, it really is a nice work of art. If anything, um, ten dollars, Travis. That's it. Ten dollar presale that will yeah, go if you, up. Yeah, you got to get
1: it right now because it will be fifteen starting July fifteenth. Once we uh, once we release this bad boy, so you want to make sure you save that five bucks. You could save now, dominate your drafts later this fall. Uh, really be lined up to get that draft kit that we're just pouring. Like, th- look, we come on here and we record these shows, and then we go work on the draft kit. That's literally all me and Johnny are doing right now. We are grinding away on this thing to bring you. The most up to date information to help you dominate your draft. But listen, if you want to support us in other ways, like and subscribe on all of our social media platforms and make sure you're hitting like and subscribe if you're listening to us on YouTube right now. It helps us more than you will ever know, helps us grow that channel. Right now, we're at 600. We're looking to get to 1,000 and you guys can help us, you know, and, and get beyond that and you guys can help us get there. So make sure you do that. Uh, today, Johnny, though, we're going to talk about some awesome topics that we stumbled across on Reddit. And we started going through the the show notes Monday, and there were just too many good topics to dive into. So, yeah. Typically, we like to split this whole show up.
0: And we couldn't do it this week. Yeah, we just kept, we we're like, oh, we like that topic. Oh, that's another good topic. Dude, I don't know what we're going to do once we get closer to the season. It is going to get harder and harder to limit these topics. Uh, but I think we did a good job of uh, of picking out a real good handful. We're talking about a lot of guys here. And uh, Travis, uh, Chelsea, and I, before the show, we were just like, oh, we can't wait till we get to that topic. We can't wait till we get to that topic. Uh, yeah. Got a lot of good stuff for you today.
1: Yeah, super excited. So without further ado, let's dive in. Uh, the first guy we're going to talk about is is one of those guys at the top of drafts right now. That's Saquon Barkley, Johnny. And listen, everybody's talking about CMC and this monster year CMC le- le- had last year. But we're talking about a guy in Saquon Barkley who had a high ankle sprain, who had some things going on within his offense that kind of limited his upside last year. And we stumbled across an article from Roto Baller basically saying why you should take Saquon Barkley first overall. So Johnny, you know, we both read this article. We had some takeaways. I want you to start us off here with what your concept, uh, where you're at, where you stand on that CMC versus Saquon debate. So this, I'm, I'm really, really
0: excited for this question because on Monday we were doing a live mock draft uh, and Austin decided to go Saquon Barkley over CMC and <clears throat> everyone freaked out. Everyone freaked out. And so I kind of got my juices flowing a little bit more for this part of our show, this segment, because I knew we were going to talk about it. And so I really wanted to dive into this uh, from a perspective that – or it made me want to dive in this from a different perspective than I was coming out from before – So I feel like first I need to discredit why you should uh, pass on CMC in order to take Saquon first because – Apparently, it's this huge, uh, it, it's it's extremely uh, unfathomable to take CMC, not take CMC number one. So let's try to discredit this uh, of not being able to take CMC number one because he was so amazing last year, right? How can you not take him number one? Well, let me ask you a, a good question. Chelsea and Travis, please weigh in on this, all right? What is a good sample size for you? Like a good sample size of data. You feel pretty confident in what that, you know, that data is relaying to you. Like what, what sample size, like two years, five years, 10 years. What, what would you say?
1: It's a little, it's a little tough for running backs, right? Cause their shelf life is not very long typically. So I'd say, yeah, two to three years is probably pretty good, especially in that elite status. Okay. And Chelsea for you.
2: Yeah, I'd say that's fair.
0: Two, two to three years okay um what if i threw out 18 years of data would that be that would that be fair yeah sure. okay how
2: could that be possible All right. <laughs>
0: okay so um last yesterday i threw out a, a question on our here. on our social media right I, it was kind of a trick question i kind of got whisper nation a little bit but it was also uh, a feeling out right so i i posted three players I play I posted three players LT priest Holmes and CMC uh, and I said please pick which one you would choose at their elite Right Uh, at their at, at their most elite And it was a little bit of a trick question in that over eight the last 18 years There have been only three running backs that have ever gone back to back and repeated as the running back one only three running backs so of those three players uh, it was a trick question in that pre Priest Holmes was the only running back in that entire group that has gone back to back years over four hundred fantasy points, scoring four hundred fantasy points. Now, I I bet you can tell, you know, last year's CMC, he did score over four hundred fantasy points. He had four hundred and thirteen fantasy points. So out of 18-year sample size, we just narrowed it down to three running backs we said have are, have only repeated as the number one running back in fantasy football. And then we took that three game – or those three running backs and we said – now, of all three of them, they, they did uh, – Todd Gurley was the only one that didn't score uh, over 400 fantasy points and a half-point PBR. So the only other two that we could look at were at LT and Priest Holmes. Now, here's where the trick question came in. I said – which one would you have in their, in their prime, which yeah, LT had the all time greatest, uh, uh, season for fantasy. So you would choose him. However, uh, priest Holmes was the only guy to do back to back 400 plus fantasy seasons. So hmm. in theory, you would want to get priest Holmes because if you had him in his prime, you, you would have missed out on the 400, uh, game. You would have gotten it that second year. You would have gotten over 400 fantasy points. Now, all of that, you're like, okay, I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job to say that the odds are, and this is what we are, that's what fantasy is, is we play probability, right? And the, so the probability is saying that in 18 games or in 18 years, the chances of us selecting selecting CMC and him repeating as the number one RB in fantasy are already pretty slim. But let's say uh, now we want to bring in Saquon Barkley because we gotta say that at least this guy can get to number one, and and can he? I would I would argue he can. Travis, yeah, I mean I,
1: I don't think the argument is is really if he can or cannot, right? And I love that you built up this argument because the bottom line is is when you draft in the first round, you're not necessarily saying like this guy is going to be the number one you're saying is this guy the most likely to make give me some return or top five let's say value on that pick because it's really hard as we've proven or as johnny's proven with data uh that to repeat as the number one overall but you know i think something this article did that i I kind of liked was point out uh that there were a bunch of factors in Saquon's struggles last year, obviously the high ankle sprain, but he had a mistake uh, prone quarterback in Daniel Jones. He had a terrible offensive line and he had a porous defense. When I look at the giants, I don't know that they've changed a lot of that. Okay. So like, yes, Daniel Jones will probably improve the offensive line. I'm not too thrilled on, uh, they brought in,
0: they brought in their rookie. They drafted a rookie with the fourth overall pick. Um, and so you can't argue that this offensive line is any worse than his rookie year. I'm not or saying it's going to be
1: no, no, no. And I'm not saying it's going to be worse. I'm just saying like drastically different. Probably <laughs> not uh, porous defense. Uh, I don't I don't see the defense improving too much here. They did get a new head coach who's defensive minded who comes from the Belichick tree. So you would kind of think that maybe it goes there this article though made a bunch of arguments against cmc that the change in offense was going to be one to a pass heavy one and that that was going to happen overnight um i just don't see that that happens overnight i think that they know what they have in cmc he will probably still be the focal point of this offense to an extreme measure and until you get to year two year three in offenses especially with a rookie head coach you're likely not to see a bunch of pass heavy uh things going on here especially with teddy bridgewater who we've you know, yet to see in the NFL really move a high tempo, fast paced pass offense. Um, so those are the kind of things that I have here. But I have no problem. I think at the end of the day here, especially you look at what they highlighted here in this article over the last three weeks, Saquon actually outscored CMC uh, like. So, yeah, 92,
0: 92 fantasy points to 90. And also say this, not only did they bring in a new head coach, who is their new offensive coordinator? Jason garrett, jason garrett right yeah so jason no, garrett yeah. if you if you look at what zeke did underneath jason garrett under his four years Zeke never had under 300 carries and Zeke never had under 1300 rushing yards that entire time. And the worst, the worst finish that Zeke had was RB 10 and he only played 10 games that season. Other than that, he was two, five and four finishes. So to Listen, me, I,
1: I don't want to get into a huge argument over Saquon versus CMC. Cause I really think it's apples versus oranges here, I really, yes. I, think I think the bottom they're... line that you should take away from this is you shouldn't be afraid to take Saquon over CMC. Right. You shouldn't feel guilty for taking saquon over cmc because, because they're it, very they're well, very
0: comfortable and and not only that but the, the but based on what stats are saying that the theory is that cmc won't repeat so who are who's going who could yeah you're gonna
1: take your shot at yeah. somebody who could. so repeat. i have no 100%. issues with anyone who wants to take saquon barkley because of that 100 100 so moving on to our next running back we're going to be talking about here we were you know going across these reddit topics and one of uh these awesome uh articles that was posted on reddit was from ffastronauts.com about soaring sanders is the title of the the article and it's about miles sanders and so really johnny the question becomes <laughs> we're watching miles sanders adp skyrocket here he is literally soaring as they said here which i thought was a great name for an article on a site called FF Astronauts. i thought it was well well done here wordplay is is a 10 but um Miles Sanders, can he be a RB1 in 2020? And Johnny, I mean, I'll let you open here, but I think the emphatic answer for me is yes. Like, I yes. I, I think absolutely he can be an RB1. You hear Chelsea um, chiming in yeah. here. I guess she's got,
0: Chelsea, she's got Sanders, avid
2: Sanders avid on her Philly dynasty fan. team. Yeah.
1: She's an Abbey cool fan, fan, baby. Yeah. <laughs> she loves it. But I think there's so much here um, to talk about. So, Johnny, why don't you get us started here with Miles Sanders and, and what you thought after reading this article and what your thoughts are about his soaring ADP?
0: So Miles Sanders currently is RB13 coming off the board, uh, and this is in high-stakes leagues. So um, that's pretty high. Pretty, pretty high for a guy that, listen, what what he did as a rookie, very, very impressive. And then if you're removing what he did, and I, again, I want to give props to Travis, and I plan on making this a cutout so people can really see because some people might not believe me. But Travis literally called this almost to the exact week. This happened in week nine where uh, Jordan Howard kind of phased out of the game and Miles Sanders, I believe, Travis called week 10. Um, so but pretty, pretty good. I'll give it to him. Um, I'll, I'll, count it. I, I'll, I'll count it. I'll count it. But from that week 11 to week 17 – And I know normally that we don't count week 17, but I'll just throw it in uh, for this data point. Okay, 103 rushing attempts for 482 yards, 36 uh, 36 receptions for 204 yards, four touchdowns for a total of 120.6 fantasy points. Pretty good, like for a seven-game sample size of him being the lead dog. Um, Now, Boston Scott over that time, which I find it interesting, he had 45 carries for 177 yards, 25 receptions for 199. He also had four touchdowns uh, for 84.6 fantasy points, which I did think was intriguing. Now, um, I love the article. I thought what he did with the article was was very, very good, uh, very good detail. One of the things I really did like that he put in the article was uh, in the stat. He said one, he was – Miles Sanders was one of three rookies to have at least 1,300 scrimmage yards and 300 return yards. Uh, do you want? Do you guys want to take a guess at the other two? Uh, that well, running backs I on know there. the other two.
1: Cause I yeah. read the article, but... uh, che- Chelsea,
0: you want to g- take a guess at who the other two, it's a little tricky cause, um, one of them, I was actually really shocked with the other one was a rookie returner only. Um, you want to take a guess, Chelsea, or are you going to, mm, no. uh, <laughs> Adrian Peterson and Alvin Kamara. Now, mm. um, Pretty good, pretty good company, I will say. Not only that, but they also did bring in a uh, a punt returner this year, so it looks like they might be trying to give Alvin Kamara maybe a little bit more work. I don't know what that. That's just what the tea leaves kind of look like for me. Uh, now. Uh they did end up picking up unrestricted uh free agent Mike Warren, who is known as a bruiser back. But when I looked it up Travis, his stats and everything, um he's the exact same size as Miles Sanders, so uh, I don't know how much of a better bruiser back he is now. I do like Mike Warren is taped did look good in college, but for the same for the sake of like the size i don't I don't think that that was too worrisome. The biggest concern with me, Travis. Was that they they lost highly ranked right guard Brandon Brooks just uh, last week to a torn Achilles? Uh, that is a big blow, but I know you're going to talk about that situation here in a second. So it did. Based on our pre-conversation, uh, I will back off that a little bit. But my ultimate conclusion for Miles Sanders is that he's right around where I think he should be. Actually, like I feel confident, you know, that he will be right around QB uh, or RB. 12, 13, I think, you know, he's being taken after Austin Eckler. I would take him before Austin Eckler. But then anything above that, I th- I mean, that's jo- Josh Jacobs is coming off as a RB11. I would rather have Josh Jacobs than Miles Sanders just because I'm more confident in that workload.
1: Well, I I can understand the concern and I, I get why you would take Josh Jacobs, but I'm all in on Miles Sanders. And the reason is, is he's being taken at RB 13. Johnny, he finished his RB 15 last year in a committee, only getting three rushing touchdowns and averaging just over eight rushes per game with the 10 games that he had with Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is gone. So if you look at like what Jordan Howard was on, on pace to do, he was on pace for 200 carries and 12 touchdowns last year. If you give 70% of that to Miles Sanders, he's for sure a top 10 running back. And then you got, if, if he's got the load, you've got to start talking about him as, as a potential top five if he stays healthy all year and he, he is in that system. The, look, I get it. The concern is Doug Peterson, right? Doug Peterson's never had anything other than a committee. Well, NJ.com has got Peterson quoted saying the Michael following. Jordan NJ New Jersey. Oh, oh got yeah. it. OK, <laughs> so Miles is our number one. He's the guy we drafted last year, and he's had a tremendous rookie season. He's ready to carry the load. And so I think if you've got a guy <laughs> and Doug Peterson who's never used a committee before, I understand the hesitancy, but he's also talking about Miles Sanders being their guy and carrying the load. But how After many- Howard? After Howard got injury, injured, Miles saw a seventy five percent increase in fantasy production. There is no question in my mind when you look at what the Eagles have done. Yes, you could talk about Warren just recently. I, I'm not buying that, Johnny. They didn't draft a guy. They didn't bring in a veteran like a, a real big name veteran when there were some big name veterans out on the market. They were they even, looking. Like and they were and, looking. And it's only. And then it's they didn't. Only they June. didn't sign. And it's only but June. All right, that's fine. But they've they've. What so far they've got their coach telling me they're going to do it. I look at what he did down the stretch, and I look at that he finished with all of that against him. He as the RB fifteen. So right where he's going right now, right. his ADP will probably even go up more if they don't sign anybody with big name value down the stretch.
0: So let me ask you this: it, based on what you're saying, I, I I completely agree with your arguments. This is where I, I get I get concerned in and that is where are we talk. I understand how many touches Jordan Howard had, right? And I understand the pace that that Miles Sanders was on, but it's only around 200 touches, and then maybe and then plus, like maybe you're looking at 250 touches, maybe at 200. And I can oh no, and, definitely 200. Like
1: how Howard was on pace
0: for 200 rushes alone, right? And and you think that so what? But and you think so? You think that he's all of a sudden Miles Sanders is going to take a huge
1: huge step forward yeah, and the receiving 75 percent increase over the span that he was without Howard so yes I I do believe that they've shown me that that's what they want to do yeah 36 targets
0: all of last year 36 targets all of last year after okay. so I that's where I'm concerned like you're saying even if you add 200 even if you double that to 230 because he had 103 carries, right? And you're saying Jordan, Jordan Howard had, was on pace for 207 touches, carries. Okay, give him 200, Sanders, 200 carries. You're looking at receptions. What do you think it's going to go up to? You would have to go up even more in, in targets and receptions by like a 20 more. He, I, I just find that pretty hard he's, with Boston he's probably Scott going,
1: there. Okay, he's probably going to get somewhere between 35 and 45 targets this 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 season. And he's probably going to wind up more than 200 carries, if we're honest. So sure, like I th- I I don't know what your argument here is. Yeah, he's gonna ri- r- be somewhere within the 250 range for touches. I think that's great for an RB one.
0: No, I I'm I'm not I'm like I'm just I'm the the concern I is know. that we we are hoping the max he's going to get is 250 touches. Like we're already saying that's where that's where my hesitation comes in. I'm not saying that Miles Sanders isn't a good running back or he can't be an RB one because I I think that with the production, if he's I if he's honestly a don't know but, what
1: you're saying. Cause like I, I don't get what you're what you're getting what I, at.
0: what I'm saying is that where he's going right now is RB RB12 Rb13 right and The the our whole argument is based on he's going to get all these touches But I don't see where all these touches are actually going to come from like it doesn't add up to a whole lot Like we think it is like we are we are saying that maybe he's going to get 250 touches I will tell you later on in our show guys that are that you can get in the Sixth round that I can guarantee are going to get 250 touches and they're going six rounds later That's my concern is that I think people are getting really high hyped up over miles sanders and could he be as good as we think he is sure but like right now on I'm, I'm i'm just projecting and being honest with whisper nation and being wh- honest with you and i'm like yo i'm i'm stretching to get him 250 uh, uh touches stretching and now you're wanting me to take him in the second round maybe late first that is sketchy to me that's all i'm saying
1: well, it could be sketchy to you. I'm just uh, the guy increased his, his production over the back half of last year when Jordan Howard was gone. They clearly love the guy. He's going to be their guy. And if he's a number one on an offense like Philly, who doesn't have a ton of like receiving weapons, like I sign me up. Like okay. I I think that's the other case you can make for his increase in in production in the receiving room is like who do they who else do they have Boston Scott. Like, that's and more up.
2: consistency in their quarterback position again this year too, hopefully.
1: Yeah, this yes, this is true. All right. So speaking of the quarterback position, Johnny, another interesting article we saw over on Reddit was from rotoballer.com stating "Can Deshaun Watson be the overall QB number one in 2020. Johnny, this is a bold statement when you've got guys like Patrick Mahomes, when you've got guys like Lamar Jackson off his MVP season when you've got guys like Russell Wilson and similar to the running back position nobody really repeats as QB1 overall so maybe the case is there that you know Deshaun Watson is as good as bad as any do you believe that Deshaun Watson will be the QB overall number 1 and why or why not i mean it's it's the let's address the big elephant in the room
0: right it's it it's looking uh, grim because they just Straight away, one of the best, uh, if not the best wide receiver in football uh, in, Deshaun, or in, uh, in, in Hopkins to the Cardinals. But you look at uh, what Brian uh, Bill O'Brien replaces him with, right? He, he went out and got Brandon Cooks, brings in uh, a Randall Cobb, and... You look at what Deshaun Watson's game style is like. He loves to throw the deep ball. So that's why it makes might shed some light on why they brought in Brandon cooks, who is a speedster. They brought in uh, Cobb who can, he can work the underneath. But if you look at Kenny Stills, he's also known as a speedster, uh, really fast 40. And then will fuller, uh, He also runs a quick 40 time. He is a speedster. So they, they looked at the analytics. They saw that Deshaun Watson's best game was the deep ball. And so they're like, let's not target that. Why not target that? So they bring in these speedsters on the outside. The O line is, you know, the same old line that he had last year. So could it get better? Sure. If they're, you know, with more playing time together, um, but the entire thing is going to come down to is will fuller going to stay healthy because if will fuller can stay healthy, this can actually happen because will fuller is a talented wide receiver. Uh, he's talented enough to, um, compa- I mean, I'm, I'm sure Travis will run down the stats of will fuller and not will fuller on the field. So you'll really see how much of a benefit will Fuller is on the field. So if he stay on there, I, I think he has a shot. Um, you know you already look at his his previous finishes Travis you talked about how consistent he finished as the QB one on a points per game his rookie year he was fourth his second year and then he was second last year so he's scratching the surface on being able to be one of those top things I was really hoping this is kind of weird um, they're saying he's QB four off the board um, you know right around 410 pick you know fourth round 10th pick Um in our mock drafts, he's usually about the quarterback six coming off the board. I like that because you're giving me a lot of upside because I'm getting him at QB six, and he, and I think he could be a QB one. That is in the range of outcomes for me. Um, but QB four, you're narrowing that gap. Might be a little bit too much for me at QB four to try to take that gamble. Um, but that's just my opinion. What do you, what do you think of Travis? Where, where's your head at? Yeah,
1: So this one's tough. I, I love Deshaun Watson. Similar to Miles Sanders, I can get really, you know – sort of intoxicated on the player of Deshaun Watson because he is a gamer. I did pick him up in his rookie year in a couple leagues. And so I have that, you know, kind of affinity towards him. Um, but I think, you know, you talked a little bit about the offensive line. I did just want to make a note. The, the offensive line after acquiring Laramie Tunsil in pr- per pro football focus went from the 31st best line to the 20th. So they did make a pretty significant jump in offensive line with Laramie Tunsil. So you do have a situation where, you know maybe they are getting a little bit better in the offensive line obviously you don't want to just give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be the 20th best this year or beyond but i think that you know within that window is good enough to get what they need done uh done here for the case for watson to be the number 1 overall I, I find it hard like you, Johnny, like th- this article was trying to make the case that Deandre Hopkins leaving was actually a benefit towards <laughs> Watson being unleashed. And and I just don't see how that's really the case, but I will say that them getting the personnel and Brandon cooks committing to a Kenny Stills who they traded for committing to a, uh, to Randall Cobb for the underneath stuff. You've got Will Fuller, who they want in there. Look, this appears to be like when you would be on Madden and you'd take your playbook and you'd say, I want the run and gun style. This appears to be the run and gun style because they do understand that Watson is in his prime. And if they're going to try and get this done and get a deal done later with him, like this is what they're going to have to do. Um,
0: And it was it was really interesting because um, I was watching film breakdown of actually not Deshaun Watson, but. Um, other elite quarterbacks. It, w- it was just like a, an overall kind of breaking them down. And what they found was that it was actually on DAC. Um, but what they found was that elite quarterbacks make those players around them uh, much better, and they can they are have a better success rate. Excuse me, at winning. Whereas good players, they struggle uh, to make those around them um, get to that elite status. And it was talking about contracts and, and paying and all that, so uh, which I won't get into. But the the bottom line of the story is is we all think Watson is elite. So if he is truly elite, then Bill O'Brien does we you know might know what he's talking about and might know what he's I know, doing. This is the
1: craziest thing is is and the knee jerk reaction with uh, Bill O'Brien here was like you're an idiot, you're crazy. But a lot of what this article does is paint the picture that you know. This could be really successful, and you could be looking at Bill O'Brien getting a lot of credit, and a lot, and a lot of these pundits eating crow because, like, da- even the the David Johnson signing. David Johnson is a pass catching specialist. He's a converted wide receiver. So this still even plays into Deshaun Watson's upside. You talk about those wide receivers pushing the ball way down the field. Meaning what? If the play's not there, and they're playing prevent. Uh, goodbye Watson's taking off yeah yep. and I'm telling you if that rushing upside starts to match some of the other people and you look at some of these between 2018 and 2019 the numbers are there for Watson 181 rushes 964 yards 12 touchdowns that's pretty much third in all of those categories across the board so look I, I we're talking about running backs just a little bit ago and how you need to take your you know put your ticket on a guy that could repeat or be the guy because it does People don't repeat often. Watson is as good as any. He's got all the tools to be the number one. So yes, can he be a hundred percent? He can be, and I think if you're you're more comfortable taking a QB a little later than the you know the big three, uh, then I I would have I would take Watson. That's as what I'm good saying. If, if
0: Watson falls and and you're starting to see him be like the QB six off the board, yeah, I'll take that gamble uh, because I, there is a realm where he is a
1: QB one. Yeah. So speaking of mobile, mobile, mobile quarterbacks here, um, a lot of the mythology around mortal, co- mortal combat, you know, wow. I just keep wanting to say this that is a tongue twister, so like, dude. <laughs> um, a lot of the mythology around mobile quarterbacks is that they improve the game for running backs. Um, I've even said it. I've been guilty of saying this. Like if you have a mobile quarterback, it opens up running lanes for your running back. If you have a mobile quarterback, that might not be good for wide receivers because he's going to want to run more and not throw to the wide receivers. But pro football focus put out a series of articles on the impact of mobile quarterbacks towards wide receivers towards running backs. And we're going to talk a little bit about that now, Johnny, we're going to start with the wide receivers. And I think one of my biggest takeaways here uh, was the fact that QBs are likelier to rank or uh, wide receivers are likely to likelier to have a average depth of target much farther down the field with mobile quarterbacks because when plays get off script johnny they're going to be looking to push the ball they want the big play i just think of aaron, all these years with aaron rogers like when aaron Rodgers would roll out of the pocket man he wasn't looking to kill you on the dump off man right. he wanted the home run every time and what that's what we're seeing with all these guys who maybe grew up watching aaron Rodgers and some of these guys get outside the pocket you look at patrick mahomes you look at Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, some of these guys are Deshaun Watson, who we just talked about who push the ball way down the field when they get outside the pocket. So we see those wide receivers seem to get deeper targets. I thought it was interesting here, Johnny, and I'll let you get on the, on the mic here in a bit. Um, I thought it was interesting that they mentioned Tyrod Taylor stacked with Uh, big Mike Williams here in the same breadth as Deshaun Watson and, and and Brandon cooks as because you look at big Mike Williams last year, his average depth of target was 18.27 third highest in the league. And it kind of made me start thinking a little bit better of, of Mike Williams. So I'll have to do a little bit more research on that, but I thought it was really interesting to talk about Tyrod Taylor as this mobile guy who could push the ball down the field, but, you know, remembering kind of the brief stint he had with Sammy Watkins in Buffalo, you remember some of those big splash plays.
0: Yeah. So it's really, really funny, Travis, because, uh, you know, I do, I do my own show notes, uh, Travis, and I do our own show notes, uh, separately once we come up with our topics and Travis, you did not know this, but under two, you could, I could show it to you right here under my number two, <laughs> uh, takeaway careful was putting that up. On I know the screen, it's, it's hot right now. It's hot. Um, <laughs> but the number two point, uh, for the wide receiver that I want to, Made me rethink BMW, Big Mike Williams, dot, dot, dot. And then I did an arrow. I said Tyrod Taylor ranked fourth in quarterback, scrambling yards in Buffalo. So uh, that was a huge stat thing uh, that I started to be like, oh, wow. Well, maybe BMW because I did take him in mock draft a few weeks ago, and I was super bummed about it. But maybe I do need to start rethinking um bmw and his draft price uh the other thing that i took away too that i thought was interesting uh, for the wide receiver is just how much gardner Minshew scrambled right and um so this was a i know a lot of people are, are really concerned with dj chark and and whether or not he can repeat and i think that you know based on what this article is saying and everything that it's found it's saying that, no, you can trust in DJ Chark and it's someone that you should have confidence in in, in grabbing. Uh, I thought it was a, gr- a great article. I do think that um, I know we'll jump over here into the running back part of it, Travis. Um, but I think it's a good segue because ta- Tyrod Taylor, like we said, with the benefit for BMW, all of a sudden, Austin Eckler, now I started to kind of rethink about
1: where my positioning was with, uh, with Austin Eckler. And I did yeah, think how, that how crazy was it that this article kind of pointed out, you know, for running backs, we're, we're opening where we like to say that it opens lanes rushing, not necessarily the case, but even if it was, then you take a look at what a running quarterback does to the targets for a, mo- uh, for a running back. And it really significantly decreases it. You guys have got to check these articles out on pro football focus. Um, but, but we know we know how valuable a target is for a running back. That's that's literally way more valuable than handing the ball off because the, the yards per attempt are so much higher than the yards per carry. So Johnny talk a little bit about that takeaway in this article.
0: Yeah, so uh, that was probably one of the biggest things that when you when you actually think about it, it's 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 one of those, you know, you think about the theory and you're like, "Oh, you know, the theory makes sense after you hear the conclusion, but then when you initially that's not what you come to right you would be like oh right like average depth of target would be more significant blah 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 and then you you really start to put it together and you also think well too if if a, a scrambling quarterback is trying to scramble the initial the initial we just we just talked about how uh, the they haven't uh, the longest da- average depth of target quarterbacks that scramble right cuz they are looking for the long bomb first then they might be trying to scramble well if they're already like you know way back in the backfield they might just try dumping it to the running back and so they're already getting way negative behind the line of scrimmage and so that's why they have to like kind of um fight forward for that for that rushing yards so it's very very uh intriguing ultimately when I was thinking about the running back position uh what they said is you know my favorite stat uh you know fancy points per snap that also went down on average for a, a quarterback. Who's I think scrambled. it just
1: like, once you break it down, it kind of just makes more sense. Like right. you are talking about If he's out there scrambling, he's not necessary, especially when we look at the numbers for wide receivers, if he's looking to push the ball down the field, then he's probably not looking at the guy sitting there as the safety net, meaning he's either going to tuck and run or go for the home run. And who's the odd man out? Who's the guy, you know, it's Austin Eckler or the running back looking there to try and catch that pass. Um I just think that was a very interesting take on something that you know some things that were fallacies at least that I was buying into without yeah. looking deeply into the numbers so which,
0: which I think is great for Whisper Nation to take note of to to summarize this whole thing uh basically if I'm if I'm looking at a running back with a scrambling quarterback I'm not it's not significant. None of this data was significant enough to, well, maybe more on the wide receiver side than the running back side. Nothing on the running back side would scare me off significantly from grabbing a running back with a, uh, scrambling quarterback. Now where I will say to use this to your advantage, one, if, people are higher on a running back because they have this notion of, hey, he's with a running quarterback, so therefore you must be better, then take advantage of that or vice versa. If someone does think that, like, I don't want to uh, – or or you have, like, two running backs that you're in your mind, you're dead set on, and you can't decide, like, use that as a nice little deciding factor say, hey, I would rather go with this guy over this
1: guy because – he doesn't have a rushing quarterback
0: versus he does. So,
1: yeah, I think the biggest thing I was kind of getting excited about and maybe I just have goggles on for him is, uh, you know, is Marquise Brown. I think this really got me excited about Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson improving as a passer and then pushing the ball down the field to a guy like Marquise Brown with some some real jets. Um, so I thought that was really exciting. Uh, another exciting category we're going to jump into right now was a you know a string of articles from Pro Football Focus that their, their idea is to find the breakout running back uh, in 2020. So just to summarize, aren't a we bit all? Of, aren't we all yeah, trying to right? do that? Yeah, what a task. Um, but there, what they did here is they took some of the production from the last couple of years of college uh, for their first couple of years in the NFL. They correlated this with past data over, I think, since 2006. And they tried to come up with comps for these running backs that basically allowed them to say, you know, forecast if these guys could break out this year. Um, so it was some interesting stuff here. Uh, I just think for did, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's so really a good word for it. They, they chose some interesting names, not guys I, I necessarily would have at, but we wanted to dive in because maybe you are on either side of the fence on some of these guys. I think the first one's a real heavy hitter when we're talking about um, Sony Michelle. So Sony Michelle. Mostly the Patriots. Like over the last few years, the Patriots has dominated the run game. They've been a very high volumous run running team. Um, they've had a lot of uh, opportunities to score, which you've wanted to be a part of. But Sony Michelle has had kind of this up and down career. Had spurts, a lot of injuries. Johnny, what was your biggest takeaway looking at Sony Michelle? Forecasting him for twenty twenty, do you see a possibility where he's the breakout running back, or do you think it's more likely that he's going to disappoint? So Sony Michelle is
0: RB 36 coming off the board typically right now and ADP. That's the 8th round ADP. Hey, and I get it. there are there are concerns, there are questions. Uh, people want to question his durability. Uh, he just had we you know uh, a news blurb came out a few weeks ago. He had foot surgery uh, where they went in and cleaned up. They're saying he should be ready to go for camp. There's the question about Damian Harris. Hey, what? Why don't why don't New England? Why doesn't New England bring in New uh, Damian Harris? Or what? What? What's bringing or stopping New England from bringing in Damian Harris? Let's let's get this guy. Let's. He's the new hotness, right? That everyone wants to jump on. Um, excuse me. <laughs> Am I missing something? Did did I, I like? I I mean I understand. Like the world's uh, you know a little chaotic right now. But oh my gosh, what is going on, Whisper Nation? It has gotten to a point where it is just ridiculous. Slow down and look at Sony Michelle again, please. Look at this. We talk about durability and 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 how Sony Michelle is. Oh, we have these questions. He played 16 games last year. Two years ago, it looked like his leg got ripped in half, and he only missed like four games, five games. Other than that, he's been fine. He's played through his injuries. Now, I, under, I understand. Oh, my gosh, Johnny. There are so many question marks in this backfield. This Bill Belichick, and there's so many running backs, and I don't know what to do. I don't want to take the risk. On Sony Michelle? You would want to taste it. you were just telling me you were fine taking a risk on a court, on a running back. We had no idea if he was gonna to get to 250 carries or not in the second round. you were fine with it. You love the upside. Yet Sony Michelle is sitting here going in the eighth round. I understand you're concerned about not getting the reception out of the backfield. Whoop-de-doo! Because he's getting in 2018, he had two hundred and nine carries. Again, I'm I said he missed time because he got he did get injured. Oh, okay, well, he's got injured concerned what do you do last year played all 16 games had 247 carries 247 carries guaranteed put it in the bank there's no Brady anymore he left he's went to Tampa Bay they didn't bring in another running back you want to say Damian Harris but why would they do that why would they switch over when you you've got Sony Michelle who's going into one of his last few years of his contract why not use him up if you don't want to use him if you don't want to use him after he's done why not use him so sorry if I go tight end early or quarterback early, heck yeah, sign me up for Sony Michelle because he's so cheap. 8th round, no. that's that's Honestly, ridiculous. Like I,
1: even if you went running back heavy, Sony Michelle's a good investment in the 8th round and, and basically guess what? just because of
0: and and look, I you know, I I understand what you and 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 you're probably I it I, looks like I changed uh Big Travis mind. But then let's say oh, but Johnny, oh. everyone wants to get on Damian Harris because he's the new hotness. Guess what? Just draft him too. Like take him. He's his is ADP is not even going anywhere. So it's get him in the in the twelfth, thirteenth round, and guess what? You have New England's entire backfield.
1: Uh, yeah. Look, like you don't need to assume that you changed my mind. Sony Michelle was a guy I was looking at. Oh, oh, now, oh, buttons, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Regardless, yeah. So as Johnny notes, uh, we don't take uh, the same show notes. Uh, we have different show <laughs> notes. So Johnny has no idea what my stance is on Sony Michelle. But thank you for trying to. I could
0: tell by that. the the tone yeah. in your voice, the the yeah. sadness in your voice when you tossed the mic to me.
1: Oh, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, either way, I, look, Johnny left me nothing on the table to talk about here for Sonny Michelle. He did a, an excellent job, a very succinct uh, argument here for Sonny Michelle. The bottom line is the history of the New, new England Patriots is, is one that they run the football very, very prof, you know efficiently. They do it all the time. They do it with a lot of volume, and I don't see a reason. The only argument you could make here is that Tom Brady did leave and maybe there's an argument that this offense does take a step back. That's obviously a, a, an argument that could I'm be. I'm expecting steady. that to happen, but that should happen. Right. But that still means like in the 200 to 250 range of, of uh, you know, rushes here. I think the the biggest thing here is James White still exists. And James White will siphon off those receiving those receiving carries. But as Johnny said in the eighth round, uh, you could do a lot worse than Sony Michelle getting 200 to 250 carries. That alone, and if they get some better production from the offensive line this year, Sony's Sony Michelle's uh, yards per attempt should go up. I know that you know the the league and or the the fantasy analytics want to or analysts want to get you to uh, look at Damian Harris, but like Johnny said, just draft him as well, because I think that would, you know, you can't just, I I, I mean, I understand diversifying, but if you get him in the eighth round, like you might as well double down on it. Yeah. There's uh, The next guy we're going to talk about here is Darius Geis, Johnny. Darius Geis is a talented running back. He played a lot of great football at LSU, came into the NFL, was really hyped up, got drafted by the Redskins, and then, Blew his got hyped, ACL up, got hyped up some more. Yeah, then, then <laughs> got hyped up the next year, and then tore his meniscus. Uh, so Darius Geis is looking like a guy that we need to either stay the heck away from or invest in because he's, he's going a little bit later. So, Johnny, what is your take on Darius Geis? Do you believe that he can put the injuries behind him and be productive? Do you think that there's too many running backs in this Washington backfield? Um, are you scared, or are you, are, you th- are you saying Geis is worth the risk?
0: You know what they say. If you're scared, go to church, Travis. Uh, yeah. This is a fantasy football show. And so I'm going to look at the data here. And all right, let's just break down whether or not Geis is a solid running back. Because if if Geis isn't even or if we don't even think that Geis is a good running back, there's no point in drafting him, right? So what did he do? He he didn't miss the majority of his, his playing career so far. But he does have a, a small you know sample size of games that he played. Uh, And he looked really good in that small sample size 42 carries uh, for 245 rushing yards That's an average of five yards per carry pretty solid Uh, He had three touchdowns in five games Um, So that's a that's pretty pretty solid uh, There now, uh, what did they do over in the offseason, right? They fired their head coach Uh, They bring in Ron Rivera they go out and draft Antonio Gibson relatively high in the draft. And then you have Ron Rivera come out and say, Antonio Gibson reminds me a lot of CMC. And, you know, us uh, fantasy analytics people, we we like to chuckle and laugh and say, oh, Ron Rivera, you're such a funny guy. And, you know, and people mock Ron Rivera on on social media and, it, and it's good and, and all in fun, right? Um, and so this affects Darius Guys a little bit. But let me tell Whisper Nation to rest assured, because let me let me just break it down and put it into these kind of uh, uh, words or, or this kind of picture. Right. Let me paint this for you. Ron Rivera back in 2017 was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers and what did they do they brought in this hot young gun they spent a lot more draft capital in him but they brought him in his name was uh you might have heard of him travis uh, and chelsea i don't know maybe maybe not his name is cmc christian mccaffrey he is a running back for carolina now um pretty good some would say uh but in his rookie year he comes in you know high draft capital like i said. Uh, he had a 117 rushing attempts for 435 yards and two, two touchdowns so not not a significant significant role in the rushing uh, side of of the game uh, but on the receiving he had 80 receptions for 651 yards and five touchdowns now, You could say, all right, well, what if they gave that role to CMC, uh, of CMC to Antonio Gibson? You're like, okay, that's, I'm not saying he's going to get those yardage, but that kind of role, we get a figure. It's Ron Rivera, right? Now, who else was the running back in 2017? Jonathan Stewart was the other running back for Carolina so if you look at what Jonathan Stewart did he had 198 carries for 680 yards and six touchdowns so he had a terrible 3.4 yards per carry and he didn't get much in the in the passing game he only had 15 uh, receptions for 52 yards on a touchdown but I bring those two up because I think that's very similar to how these they this style could be played I think that uh Darius Geis would take the Jonathan Stewart role I think and he's and he's going to be better than Jonathan Stewart was at this moment in time Like I said Jonathan Stewart only averaged 3.4 yards per carry where I think that uh, you know Darius Geis can get a lot more than that Um, but you're looking at 200 carries 200, uh 20 carries. I think that you could definitely get there with Darius Geis. So even if Antonio Gibson comes and does a good role from the receiving game and and things like that. So, I like Darius yeah, I, Geis. I,
1: I know that you're saying it's an if. I think it's more of a probably a, a certainty. And that that's only because when you look at Darius Geis's career in LSU, he trailed even Leonard Fournette as the receiving back. And Leonard Fournette is not the world's best wide receiving uh, right. running back. So, um, But I do like the point here that you're making that Geis should get the stranglehold on the carries. The only concern that exists there is Bryce Love will be back from injury and you have Adrian Peterson there. Obviously, Geis has the pedigree. He should be better, but they may not be as apt to go and give Geis that whole stranglehold, given that the two times they tried to give him the ball, he blew out his knees. So... I but, think I mean, if you're going to try, why not?
0: I mean, if you're going to try, might as well, because guys is nearing his end of his rookie year and you've drafted these other running backs. So it's like if you're going to test out, might as well, because you well, have there's a there's two
1: parts to that theory. Like, do they want to blow him? Like, do they want to go and get him the most carries? Or do they want to go and see what they have in Bryce Love, who they haven't seen on the field yet? Do they want to, you know see what they've got there so i think there's there's two sides of that coin there but i I love what you said here i think Geis is worth it at this point uh this will be the cheapest we've ever paid for Geis in the last two years uh adp wise he's going to be a guy that should get every opportunity to be the lead back given on the pedigree that they've drafted him with and his his physical comps i mean player profile comps him to ezekiel elliott now ezekiel is much more durable uh, than Darius guys, but that's <laughs> a, a lot, a, a lot more durable than Darius guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Darius guys wants COVID-19 either. <laughs> yeah, I, <that's, laughs> yeah, I think that's also the, the best bet here uh, is is that you can look at what he ha- is as a prospect and, and look at as, as discount on ADP and go, you know what? He's worth a shot because the upside is there, mm-hmm. especially if he does siphon off more receiving work than he ever, than he ever has. All right, moving on to the next running back. This is one of Johnny's favorite guys in the league right now. Devin Singletary uh, out of Buffalo. So, Johnny, the the question here is, look, we saw what Devin Singletary was all about. Even with Frank Gore having a ton of carries last year, even with uh, a mobile quarterback and Josh Allen who might have been limiting some of the targets uh, that Devin Singletary was able to get johnny what is your take do you think devin singletary has maybe the best shot of these running backs we're going to talk to talk about today to be the breakout for 2020
0: devin singletary is uh my relationship with devin singletary is a lot like that Katy perry song you know first you're hot then you're cold you're yes then you're no uh (laughs) you're in then you're out um up and down? Yeah, that that's me with Devin Singletary uh, this whole entire offseason. And uh, mostly for the fact that like he's on my dynasty roster, so I continue to be drawn to and be interested in news, blurbs, and things about Devin Singletary. So diving into the research and, and really starting to – Figure out what he could be this year, right? Um, right now, RB twenty three, RB twenty two, coming off the board in that range, right around the five hundred one pick. Um, not too bad as far as draft capital. Uh, they did go out and draft Zach Moss, which uh, I know Big Travy will talk about because Big Travy loves Zach Moss. I'm not as big of a fan of Zach Moss, uh, but they they came out and said, you know, uh, the head coaching staff came out and said that, hey. Zach Moss is going to take over the Frank Gore role and people got really, really excited and And then the stat, you know, people looked in the stat and said, oh, they saw Frank Gore had, you know, 10 uh, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head but I know it was over 10 uh, goal line carries and you give those to Zach Moss and yes, let's go get Zach Moss and let's pump up Zach Moss and Zach Moss is the greatest thing since sliced bread it's what everyone comes out and tells me and I'm I'm like I, I, I just, I'm sorry, let's Let's see what Frank Gore had last year. He just had a lot of goal line carries. Is that what you're telling me? I looked into his stats and they're, like, they're nothing special. It wasn't like he was averaging a ton of carries per game. He had no more than 10 carries per game. Okay, give that to Zach Moss, go ahead. But then I started, I read the article and it really got me thinking. And and it, I said, wait, wait a second. Wait a second, maybe this person is onto something here. And I dug a little bit deeper. I said, wait a second, what if Zach Moss is not the early down running back like we thought he was, and what they meant by Zach Moss getting the uh, Frank Gore role was just the amount of carries, and and the targets would then go from Singletary to Zach Moss because we look at, at Singletary, and he actually is not the greatest wide receiver coming out of the backfield, but... It could have been that Frank Gore was just not good at pass catching at all that they had to use Singletary in that way. Because if you look down the stretch, Travis, from weeks 11 through 16, look at the carry, the amount of carries that Singletary had and rushing attempts, not touches, just rushing attempts. He didn't, he only had one game with less than 15 rushing attempts. That doesn't seem like a guy that they're they're saying if he's gonna get Zach if Zach Moss is gonna get the Frank Gore role it's not looking like he's gonna get rushing attempts because Frank Gore never got over 10 rushing attempts in those games and the one time that that uh, Singletary did get under 15 rushes Travis week 14 or uh, or sorry week 9 against uh, Dallas He had, uh, 14 carries for 101 yard total yards and a touchdown. He was RB nine on the week, but Here's the one last point I want to bring up uh for Devin Singletary to get you excited. One last point and I will bring and I cuz I know I can see you're eager over there. You're like a the the engine is revving and I got my foot on the brake and I you your tires about to squeal out of control here. Uh, but let me bring up this last point before I talk about it. Just anyway. People want to say the Frank Gore roll or the Frank Gore goal line thing and that's what gets them so excited. Let's look at The actual red zone breakdowns, because sure, you might get goal line, and and what might that mean, and and there might be circumstances as why you got the goal line, blah, blah, blah. Let's look at red zone touches, shall we? From weeks 11 through 16, because that was when Singletary came back. All right, week 11, Frank Gore had two uh, red zone carries. Singletary had three, so check mark. Singletary had more red zone carries week 11. How about week... 12 well Frank Gore had more he had one more than Singletary that week week 13. They were equal. They both had one uh, Carry each week 14 Singletary had one more than Frank Gore week 15. They were even and week 16 Singletary had one more uh, carry red zone carry than Frank Gore so in total Frank Gore actually only got one uh, got more red zone carries one game out of six games with Singletary So I don't want to hear any more Any more talk about how Zach Moss is is said to get the automatic goal line carries that Zach Moss is going to be this great running back That uh, is going to take over the Frank Gore role and that Singletary should be worried because he shouldn't be Singletary well, is just, going to be a solid. Just, let me
1: back. just jump in because I am love yeah. I love that you went this way. Go ahead. Uh, because Squeal those tires. I, this art, this article actually can – can I speak? Is that all right with you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, ju- just because you, you wanted to talk about how he's not going to get the – Frank or the Frank Gore role isn't that apprising. Well, let's talk about Devin Singletary. This article points out that Devin Singletary actually kind of outproduced in the receiving category. Probably did yeah. better than he should have done. No, he okay? did 100%. Yeah. And so we just talked about how mobile quarterbacks are going to limit targets. But then let's talk about Zach Moss. Zach Moss, according to PFF, his eighty three percent catch rate was yeah. eighth best against eighty uh, uh, amongst eighty five running backs with at least twenty five targets. Yeah, okay. I know. so Zach Moss, who PFF comps to Kareem Hunt? yeah, okay, is an elusive? very good back who can catch the football better than Devin Singletary.
0: Yes. And so he's what going I'm telling to- you right
1: now is what I've been telling you since the beginning of this off season is that, Devin Singletary is going to eventually get phased out of this offense because Zach Moss is a better well-rounded all-around running back not, than Devin Singletary. He is not a
0: better running, he is not he is a better catching back and you just said through your own
1: argument that Devin Sing- no, that that Moss, pass catching gets phased out. PFF, okay? okay? PFF goes and breaks down this this they have a great draft guide, okay? Yes. And the bottom line they said here was Moss has been consistently elusive to a level we've never quite seen before he's not much of a home run threat but he has good enough speed for splash plays the guy is good enough to be comp to Kareem hunt he had an elusivity uh rating or of 176.8 johnny way above a lot of people in this year's draft 4.45 yards after contact per attempt rushing grade of 91.7 johnny He's a fantastic running back. the The whole goal, you you said it yourself. The whole argument that people want to make for Zach Moss is how good of a running back he is, because he's going to take the Frank Gore role. But what I'm telling you is, even if that Frank Gore role isn't good, he's going to take over receiving because he's a better wide receiver. That's at the running back position. Okay, that's he's where you're going to do you're, it all, Johnny. He's going to do it no, all. going to blow your guy Devin okay. Singletary so, off of the map. Like we'll I said, talking hold on. About Singletary hold on, hold on. a year from now. Like I said,
0: two. what did I say before? I, I said I was. I my foot on the brake you're going to squeal your tires and i knew exactly what you didn't listen to my argument i said Zach Moss will take over the receiving role. I don't think they want Singletary in the receiving role. They will put Zach Moss there. So he will get six six to seven targets yeah, out they're of the backfield. But in hold on, both roles, hold on. Buddy. No, they're not. Because Singletary, yeah, they, they want Singletary to be the running back because that's why they were giving him 15, 18 carries down the stretch. They were the giving him 15, because, 18
1: carries down the stretch because Frank Gore is a dinosaur
0: who almost no, died on the field. No, because that's what they want Singletary to do. They want him to run the ball. They don't want him pass catching. They they're want, gonna. Want, that's why they brought. They're Zach gonna want Moss.
1: Moss to do both. Dude. No, they're not. They are 100. You're 100%. you're
0: saying a fourth round draft capital. That's how much they improve. They want Zach Moss to be their all around. After they spent a third rounder on Singletary last year. Come on now. Don't don't get ahead of one, yourself. One
1: round. One round ahead, and you're like saying that's the and, end all. And their guy just
0: hold on. One hold on, round on. ahead. And come did Singletary on. not produce last year? Even you could say he would outproduce, but did he produce? So why would you throw away a guy you just invested more draft capital in and produce for you? And you're just going to say, oh, because I'm going to that you aside? drafted no. is
1: going to be so much better. No. Yeah, 100%. He now we can agree it. to disagree, yeah, but Zach Moss do. is going to be Zach Moss is going to be better than Devin Let Singletary. Let us know Whisper Nation what you think. Yeah.
0: Would you rather have Zach Moss this year or Devin Singletary? Cuz I'll I'll guarantee next and year, I'll even say next year and next year I'll take Singletary to now, over be Zach
1: Moss. No, I'll take I'll, I'll take Singletary. All right. Uh that one got me going. Love love talking Singletary versus Moss with Johnny. Uh it's always good stuff. Uh Daryl Henderson is our last running back, Johnny. Uh, This one was a little bit of a shocker that he would even come up on the radar uh, for pro football focus as a breakout candidate. But it kind of makes sense if you're looking at, you know, what he is just a year removed from being a very explosive prospect out of Memphis. uh, A guy that the the Rams drafted to fit in that zone scheme. But now, uh, right after that, they drafted Cam Akers with high capital. Um, So what is your takeaway on Daryl Henderson? Do you see any scenario? where Daryl Henderson ends up being the breakout 2020 running back this year. Yeah, so uh, Daryl Henderson, I thought, was an interesting name to
0: put on this one. Obviously, there's a lot of conversation between whether, you know, Cam, uh, they they went out and drafted uh, Cam Akers in the draft. Spent uh, a much significant, much more significant draft capital and Cam Akers, you know, than Buffalo did on Zach Moss. Uh, but it, I, that's a different conversation. So Cam Akers is coming <laughs> coming in, and so people want to say though they uh, want to still throw him. out uh, Daryl Henderson and that you know the the draft capital last year that the, they want to say that you know they did tr- trade up last year to get Daryl Henderson, but what we saw of him last year was not significant significant we did see some bursts and and things like that on his limited touches right now he's the 43rd running back off the board coming off in the 10th round um but listen here here's the real deal uh whisper nation and and this is this is the truth i don't care what side you fall on I don't care uh, if you can make a better argument for Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers to be the better running back in this backfield. Uh, I I would think it's it's Cam Akers, um, but if you think it is Daryl Henderson, and even though I say it's Cam uh, Cam Akers, it doesn't really matter. And I'll tell you why because you should stay away from this backfield either way. Why? Because the draft capital is just too much. And you have to realize that the Rams have not only the worst uh, offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, or one of the worst uh, offensive lines, according to Pro Football Focus, but they also have the worst run schedule on paper of any running back. So you compare those two things, you compare the fact that their new logo is trash And it should just be (laughs) thrown in the trash. Never mind. Sorry. That was that. That point has nothing to do. I just wanted to get that in there. And I will say that Sean McVay is also, uh, no, he's a cool guy. I'm not going to throw Sean McVay in anything. He's, I love Sean McVay, but with, with, with all that stuff said, I, I do like Sean McVay, but I don't think that I would be investing in this running back, uh, backfield, no matter what the situation, uh, that ADP would have to fall significantly, uh, by a couple of rounds for both of these running backs, for me to, to say, all right, I'll take a chance on them. Um, it's just too much for me. So I'm staying away from Daryl Henderson and this Rams backfield.
1: Yeah, kind of a blanket statement when we're talking only about Daryl Henderson, but that's fine. I, I do think that the article brought up some interesting things here. Favorable comps, uh, when they ran the, the numbers uh, back. Uh, to 2006 some of the comps they had for henderson based on his production and and where he was in his rookie season was Kenyon drake and tevin coleman who i thought were some pretty favorable comps and um their second years were they were much better receivers though than henderson has ever put even on film in college or in uh in the in the regular season so i think that's the point and Listen, both of those Cam guys Ake, are better receivers too so i don't know i just said that Okay. literally just said that exactly. I don't I don't listen to the credits. Yeah. Apparently, you don't listen to me after yeah. giving me all that crap for not listening to your argument. Yeah. Well, so that's why I tuned make, you out. Yeah. OK. OK. Still mad about the Devin Singletary segment. I see, Johnny. Uh, look, they, they made the point that Freeman, they made the comp to Freeman and Coleman. That scenario with Akers and Henderson. However, if you look at that, Coleman was drafted as a third rounder and it took an injury to Freeman uh, for him to even kind of. Uh, get into a position where he could do anything at at any point. So I I think Henderson, look, uh, this one hurts because I had Henderson high up on my board last year. I thought he put some really good stuff up on film. But Cam Akers is the guy, if you're going to invest, I know Johnny has some big concerns. Um, Look, somebody's going to be the starting running back for that squad. And we know Sean McVay wants to run the football. He's done nothing but do that since he's gotten in the league. Johnny's talked about the concern with Robert Woods versus Cooper Cup is based on an 11 personnel, meaning they want to run the ball more. So, I, I mean, you definitely should look at one of these guys to invest in this year. That is definitely something you should look at doing. Maybe there's an ADP concern, but if you're looking at an upside down draft, where you did go uh, wide receiver heavy in the beginning, you're gonna need to look at maybe one of these guys. And Henderson is not the guy for me, especially after the draft capital. Um, I think that Cam Akers will be the guy, uh, barring injury. But Henderson is nothing more than a handcuff at this point. So I think that rounds it up for us, Johnny. What a great show! Dude, I thought was... this was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun to dive into these. You know, a lot of these guys, I don't, I don't know that we were taking second, third looks at uh just yet in our research i mean obviously we're looking at all these guys when we profile them uh for the draft kit which you can buy on pre-sale now at the fantasywhispers.com but it was really nice to get into a lot of these different topics uh and, and really dive into this for whisper nation i thought it was a lot of fun man
0: yeah i had a, I had a good time chelsea how do we do did we stay on on topic okay
2: I mean, you guys got so feisty today. It was hard to even jump in and add anything. Every (laughs) single one of these is a hot topic. And starting from the very top with the Saquon comment, um, I'm just excited. Hopefully Brent listens to the show the guy from the mock draft marathon Monday night yeah. uh, and is able to to come in. Um, No, love it. Love the fire. Uh, as we get closer to the season, I think it's just going to get, keep getting more exciting too because these conversations turn so personal, right? Like yeah. it's,
1: yeah, you, you have your guy or you have your player that you want to invest in and there's nothing anybody can do to talk you off the ledge. Even though everything clearly points to Zach Moss uh, <laughs> taking over the Buffalo bills backfield, you still want to hang on to Devin Singletary. And look, I get it. I, you're biased. That's fine whisper nation that
2: flag strong right that's all right
1: (laughs) Uh, i will plant my
0: uh, we will be planting our our flags all the rest of the summer so make sure you stick with us make sure you hang with us anything anything else before we go this week
1: any anyone want to give any shout outs anybody any john durst big shout out again thank you for joining patreon really appreciate that um guys stay tuned we're gonna have a fantasy hotline you can get in on the rant you can be like wow John dude you, ten- you
0: you don't even tease them you just come out and throw it out i thought we were waiting till the next show to oh, throw that have, one out well i'm just saying like get
1: ready yeah uh, yeah it's coming all right you spilled the, the beans yet. a little bit might as well all right we'll go into it we'll jump it. in there no, i'm just saying it's coming i did not say anything other than it's coming i teased him uh, either way, you could be like Johnny. You could go on 10-minute rants, and we'll capture it via voicemail and play it on the show, potentially. Uh, as always, uh, we're working on that draft kit. Go to thefantasywhispers.com. sale order that now. You save yourself five bucks. Save now. Dominate later. Thefantasywhispers.com. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, Chelsea Lee Byers, I'm Big Travi. We are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace.
2: Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.